Hey y'all, it's Chelsea Gall. Welcome to another episode of the Chronically Healed Podcast, the podcast that I designed for women to hear story after story from providers, healers, and most importantly, real women that have found healing outside of allopathic medicine and outside of the toxic systems that are designed to keep us sick. Um, this podcast was born out of my health journey, my personal journey of overcoming, my background in looking at the corruption in big pharma and the advertising and the massive sales efforts that go into convincing us that we were born sick and that we're in a world where disease is our destiny. And unfortunately, that is just not what Jesus Christ says and not what Jesus has for us. We have divine health. You have divine health. You are worth healing. You likely have people in your space that want you to show up healed. And you have a mission that God has asked you to step into boldly on this earth. And you cannot do that if you are sick and tired. So in this episode, I want you to hear and feel encouraged. I want you to feel joy. I want you to feel hope. Hope that maybe your doctor or your family or your chosen provider has not given you. And most importantly, I want you to feel relief and take a deep breath and breathe a sigh of relief. Hope you enjoy. And I'm so looking forward to being able to have this conversation. Hey, Kristen. Hello, Chelsea. How are you? Good. This is going to be so good. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm excited too. I've never been asked to do this before and I have a lot to share. So I'm excited. Awesome. I want to start this off um, today. You guys know I started the Chronically Healed podcast to literally talk about um, the medical industry, the massive overreach, the corruption it is so alive and well. I literally get goosebumps every time I say it. Um, <laughs> it is so, <laughs> my background, I, I was a kid raised by a pharma executive. Like, oh I have, yeah, I have been told don't say things on a cell phone um, because of fear. Like, I promise you, I was called at 19 and told that if I jumped on board um, the sales team for the cure for hep C, they were going to release it five years later in a controlled release and I can make millions of dollars. I, this is my background. So um, I started this podcast, Chronically Healed, <laughs> um, because um, a lot of you know, my husband was from New Zealand and seven years ago, I found myself in the middle of a brutal divorce, sick, tired, exhausted, really lost the will to live. Um, so much trauma that nobody ever talked about in the doctor's office. And yeah. I met my husband who's from New Zealand. And he just said to me, I don't know how you sell cancer all day. And I was like, me either. <laughs> like I, and I just quit my job. Like I was just like, all right, let's go a different direction because I was so desperate. And so I wanted to invite women on here to share that story about that desperation, then that restoration. Cause the very important part is the fact that here we are, like it blows my mind. I, I get attacked all the time online. I don't care by people who are sick, tired, struggling. And I'm like, look, stop asking your sick friends how to heal. Like, look at who's well, like, I mean, who is thriving, happy, like the thin, who has what you want. Right. Yeah. And yeah. And, and look at those people and run that direction. And that's honestly what I started doing. It's like the enemy just opened my eyes and was like, I'm sorry. It's like Jesus just opened my eyes and said, the enemy wants you to look at 
like insanity. Like the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expected a different result. And so, um, yeah, so I have my story on a personal solo episode. So you guys can Mm -hmm. hear the whole story. So this is about Kristen's story. And honestly, when I saw her on Instagram, where we meet all of our real friends these days, (laughs) (laughs) it's so true though it's so true I have more real friends on social media than I have in real life for sure yeah like me too I used to literally make fun of or not ever figure out online dating I was like no way there's no way and now I'm like what about online best friends like I'm totally a believer (laughs) whatever right my uh my 13 year old is like mom stop it you don't have best friends online and you're not viral I'm like actually I am (laughs) All you'll find out later middle-aged <laughs> women doing the thing <laughs> so, oh so, yeah, so Kristen honestly we can jump right in share tell me all about your medical diagnosis that you didn't have that you, <laughs> you had let's talk about gaslighting let's talk about all of it all right so um a little bit about me I am 35 mom of two I am married to um my husband we've been married for 10 years. We've been together for almost 17. Um, and he is a retired, uh, law enforcement officer for the state of New York. That's a whole different ball of corruption that we are involved in that. we. Oh my God. We have corruption from all around us. Like we are all encompassed by it. It's insane. Um, so I, uh, worked in the healthcare field for a very long time. Uh, right out of high school, I was an activities director in a nursing, or not activities director, I'm sorry, an activities assistant in a nursing home. I started in the nursing home in a low level position, worked my way up, ended up leaving there as the HR manager. Um, I was in charge of staffing. So I know what staffing numbers look like and what people are like, I've been in there, the nitty gritty, like I've seen the shortages before all of this was happening. I know what's happening. I know how badly people are being gaslit. Um, So I was in the thick of it for quite some time. And then um, about eight weeks into a promotion that I had gotten, I found out I was pregnant with my son, uh, my first child. Um, So eight weeks into a new job, right? I'm I'm a corporate HR manager for a long-term care facility. And I find out I'm pregnant and, um, I actually was in Massachusetts at a training when I found out, I think I was pregnant. Um, and so like immediately I had, you know, new mom concerns or whatever. I was trying to juggle this stressful job, juggle my husband's job because he worked ridiculous hours. We didn't have a family yet, but then about 20 and, and I thought everything was going fine. Like my pregnancy seemed okay. I was healthy. You know, the baby was growing. Everything was good. At about 26 weeks, I started having digestive issues. Like, um, like, I don't know how you feel. Like I'm not, I don't hold back about, about symptoms and situations. I was, I was having like constipation issues. And then all of a sudden I was having urgency issues and then I was losing blood and I was like a mess. So I'm at 26 weeks pregnant. Never. I, like, I, I, I know nothing. I'm just a new mom waiting for this baby to be born, trying my hardest to do everything right. So I go to my primary care and they send me to a GI specialist. Um, by the time I got to the GI specialist, I think I was like, I think it, it took me like two and a half weeks to get in. So I was around 30 weeks pregnant. And I, at that point I had lost all control of my bowels. Like I had the urgency issues I had were unbelievable. I was losing blood. I was so sick, so sick. So I get into the specialist, the specialist sets me up for a scope immediately because they want to know what's going on. They did blood work, all kinds of stuff. They can't figure it out. So I go in for a scope at, I think I was 30 weeks pregnant at that point, 31, 32, somewhere in there. Um, No drugs, no nothing. I just went and I'm like, I'm not doing, I just do what you have to do and get me out. 33 weeks, I went into preterm labor. They tried to tell me that it had nothing to do with the scope that they were doing in my intestines, which my intestines was wrapped around my uterus. Like I I put the pieces to the puzzle together, but they tried to tell me it wasn't the case. So um, I actually was admitted into a hospital for four days, pumped full of blood pressure, lowering medication to try to stop my labor. They did. Um, Like all of these complications surrounded what they were doing to me and trying to figure out what was wrong with me. Mm -hmm. Um, And look at the time I was just scared to death and I had no clue. Like I was just going along doing what they told me because I felt like 
I was putting my life in their hands and they were the right people to hand it over to. They knew, right? So um, 33 weeks, they stole my labor. I was on bed rest for the next eight weeks. I made it to 39 weeks, had my son hemorrhaged on the delivery table because of all the stuff that was going on. I was such a mess, mm-hmm. um, almost died, had to have two blood transfusions and um, I still had no clue what my diagnosis was at this point. So mm-hmm. I had nothing, they weren't guiding me in any way other than to be on bed rest and they kept pushing um, uh, the brat diet. So I, I don't, are you familiar yeah, with the brat yeah, diet? Okay. Rice, so, sauce, toast. Yeah. 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 And now I realize that's it's just like the most ridiculous thing I could have eaten, but I was listening to them. Right. So, <clears throat> so I have this oh, horrible Chris, trauma. Kristen, um, let me yeah. let, really quick in case listeners don't know, I don't want to interrupt you. Sorry. You're in such a flow, but so the brat diet, funny enough, I want to stop there for one second. Yeah. The brat diet is, in case anybody doesn't know, bananas, rice, applesauce, toast, okay? The theory behind it is okay, right? The theory is take pressure off the digestive system. That's the theory in Eastern medicine and the body will heal itself. And you guys, I get into that on my solo episode. The, The thing though is those components inflame the digestive system they're so, so bad with the exception of the applesauce if you make your own applesauce and it's from green apples right that's a different story but that's how how we're talking guys we're talking about things that have been mass produced and regurgitated in the most ridiculous way because you have to study what type of apple you have to study every piece of the puzzle and so the crazy thing is like yeah, you put people on this and it should be bone broth and broth and juicing. And yeah, yeah I have a story. I did a high, high level juice protocol to heal my body because your body will heal if your digestive system isn't stressing you out. But that is ridiculous because then you're getting inflamed too. So yeah. I keep going. <laughs> it's crazy. Like I, and I was like listening to everything because I'm yeah. like, okay, I have another body that I'm taking care of. It's not just my body. I'm trying to build a child inside of me and I'm going to do whatever they say. And I actually, I misspoke. I, they did have me on medications when I was, um, when I was pregnant, they had me on, um, enemas. They had me doing enemas every night when I was pregnant. It was uh, like my first pregnancy was a horror story in and of itself. And I can't even believe that I ended up having another child. Like I, I was brave enough to do it, but, um, so so I hemorrhaged on the delivery table. I was mal, I was totally malnourished. Now in this time that I was, um, that I was being diet, they were trying to diagnose me. I also went through the, the good old gestational diabetes test. I was found that I had gestational diabetes and they put me on a restricted diet, but really what was happening. And I did not know this at the time, my body was totally malnourished. It wasn't functioning properly and it wasn't processing sugar properly. Right. So I was showing, and, and plus, I mean, what do we know about people who are under stress? Their blood sugars spike your blood right. sugar spikes when you're under stress and you're in a stressful situation. It's always the way I didn't know that then I know this now. So, um, on top of all of this, they were trying to tell me I had gestational diabetes, which I never even had. And, and actually an OB at one of the other doctor's offices, I ended up, I didn't even deliver at the office I was supposed, or the hospital I was supposed to, I didn't make it there. I, I almost had my child, my son in my car. Cause my body was just, I think my body had just had enough mm-hmm. and he, and my body was like, okay, we need to get this baby out and figure this out. So, <clears throat> but an OB at the, the hospital that I did make it to said to me, you don't have gestational diabetes. Your body is malnourished. You're not, you're not processing food properly. So I left the hospital with my son. I, I survived the surgery. Um, I had two blood transfusions. I left the hospital after I had my son eight pounds lighter than I was before I even got pregnant with my son. That's how sick I was. So after I had him, they were obviously able to do more for me, like as far as medication went. So they immediately put me on steroids. And I was on a heavy dose of steroids. I've been on steroids, I don't know, maybe six times throughout the past 10 years. And, and for at one point I was on it for almost a year and a half, 40 milligram dose. I was like, I was miserable. I was going insane. I mean, I don't know if you've ever taken prednisone or yeah. any sort of steroid, but if you've you had inflammation issues, obviously you have. Yeah. Um, it's just like, it's one of the worst drugs I think I've ever taken. It's horrible, yeah. horrendous. And I know people who pretty much live on it yeah. and I don't know how they function. Um, so ultimately after I had my son, I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis 
I ended up going in and actually having a full colonoscopy. They went in and did everything. They took um, sample, you know, uh, biopsies and everything. And the GI doctor I had at the time was really confused about the type of ulcerative colitis I had. He kept talking about bacteria. He saw bacteria that was concerning to him, but it didn't really make sense. And, and I didn't understand at the time, you know, I was a new mom. I was trying to juggle being a mom, plus also figure out what my diagnosis was. So I was just like trusting him to, to give me the answers I needed. So, um, it got to the point where he was like, I'm out of answers. Like I have nothing. So I ended up transferring to a new doctor. Um, this was, let's see, probably two years after I had my son, I, I went two years with that doctor trying to figure out everything. And, and eventually he was able to like settle my symptoms, but never able to heal me or actually get them to go away. And the diagnosis was always ulcerative colitis. Um, at this point, I think I had probably tried maybe 10 different meds, um, <clears throat> which over a two year period when you're dealing with a chronic illness doesn't really seem like that much, but it is a lot. Like, especially when you're nursing in a newborn and it just, I felt like a dartboard, honestly, yeah. and it only got worse. Like I didn't realize that it was going to go that way, but it only got worse. So I ended up deciding, my husband and I decided we wanted to try again to have another child. If I could find an OB and a GI doctor that could work together, because that was also an issue during my pregnancy is getting the two doctors to actually work together and communicate. They don't. Um, honestly, that is, uh, okay. My first eyes wide open moment about that was in heart surgery. I had open heart surgery and oh I, yeah, I, I needed the surgery. So I will never say that that didn't help. Now. I don't think I'm relying on the pacemaker they put in. I don't, I think that I'll get it out. Um, I think my body was yet to heal. And they actually told me without telling me in a very medical, medical malpractice way that, Hey, it takes about six to nine weeks for a heart to actually heal after it is cut open. But if your heart rate doesn't do what we want it to do, we have to put a pacemaker in because they can't leave you. They can't hold you in the hospital and they can't leave you with a low heart rate. Right. So anyway, it's fine. And I actually, at the time was so afraid that I think I needed that to function. So like, I'm looking for the gratitude and I still have it. And I don't know if I'm relying on it because for example, like you just don't know day to day, you just deal with it. Yeah. But I'm like fully expecting there to be a heartbeat under there. Um, it's not, I have a heartbeat. It just, I developed a, a block because of the surgery. So, um, but we could go into more of that, but basically my eyes wide open moment on doctors not communicating was interesting. The electrophysio doctor that <laughs> does the pacemaker and the cardiovascular surgeon are different. They're yes. working the same patient and that's not the cardiologist and the hospitalist. So there's four right right there, yeah. <laughs> which, which, okay. Right. Like you're like, great. Specialists are productive. Like if I had some kind of trauma, I would definitely like highly consider that as an option, right. but I like to tell people, I'm like, it's one tool in a massive toolbox. Okay. Yeah. It's not the tool. Like I've now, I'm now working with physicians who do emotional restoration and release cells. And I know you're into that too, because I follow the doctor that you follow. So we can get into that. But basically my eyes wide open moment was I have the heart surgery and I have a bandage because I have a mini thoracotomy that go in under the breast. And then I have a pacemaker on the opposite side because they're like heart surgery, this side pacemaker, this side. Um, two different bandages, two different contracts from pharmaceutical companies, two different types of care for the bandages. So yeah. I said, I'm logic and reason, like I'm in strategy. So I'm like, I like do sales. So my deal is always engineering stuff. So I literally said to the EP when he was saying how I should care for it. And I know this sounds so basic, but you guys listen because people miss it. I said, so you expect me to care for this thing six inches away from this thing on the same tiny body, a different way. Yeah. And I was like, how I'm going to be in the same shower. <laughs> I'm going to be in the same how do I do this? body. Like I'm so confused. And he's like, well, we never thought about that. <laughs> and I'm like, like the most basic thing. Like, that be like, excuse my language, but I wanted to be like, no shit. Yeah. Like, what? like, so I said to my husband, like, and I was like groggy Medicaid, like, like obviously four days later, I was like cognitive and reasonable and all this stuff. But, and that was about seven days after surgery when I kind of was like done with the meds. And I said, um, 
I just said, excuse me, what? <laughs> like I have to do. And he said, we never thought about that. And, and then the next thing blew my mind. There was no solution. It was not his problem, right? Like I was just going to have to figure it out. And so yeah. I, just, I just said like, well, I guess I'll tape this one off and sh shower this side of my body. And then I'll, <laughs> da -da -da -da. so it's like, it's hilarious because the whole way the body heals is lowering stress yeah. response. And even that felt stressful. I mean, forget the fact that I had to hire a nanny for 12 weeks unexpectedly. I couldn't drive for 12 weeks. I mean, you know, we all have our story with our diagnosis, yeah. right? Yeah. But it's like, forget all that. I can't even take a shower simply. Like I can't even just get myself in the shower and be like, okay, I'm going to clean myself. No, I can't even do it. <laughs> right. You're like, okay. And forget the fact that we're financially broke now and we're about to a $70,000 medical bill. Like, right. you know, like forget that, but let's just like, not also not cater to the bandaging. So I don't know. I just like, it just blew my mind. It opened my eyes. And that was the moment people keep asking me when the moment happened when I wanted to like do this and that was it. It was what? in the details. It was in the details. It was, it was that new mom. I had just had a baby. She was 13 months. And it was that, it was in that detail that I thought there has got to be a better way. Yeah, Where is that? Yeah. <laughs> like, I wish mine was that early on. I wish it was mine. I took that. I had to be beat over the head like several times for me to well, wake so up. Did I. I mean, six years prior, I mean, I was on, I, well, I mean, I'll get in. I, I was on Lexapro and Xanax. I was on, I was diagnosed with anxiety disorder for two years. Oh my I was God. on Lexapro and, and get this, it didn't help the panic attacks because I kept saying, I have a problem. I have a yeah. heart issue. And the doctor's like, we don't, you know, you're a runner, you're this, you're that we, you just had a divorce. You've been traumatized. Like, and I'm like, or your life is stressful. You're a mom. And I'm like, that is not good enough my body, when I meditate, I always see hearts. I always think about hearts. I was like, I really don't get this, but some of the pieces are coming together. And I had just gotten into Christianity and gotten really into faith. And I said, I said, I'm serious. I have a heart thing. And they're like, you have anxiety disorder, go home. We don't do echoes until we've tried Lexapro for six months. So, because my husband was like, this isn't going to work for me. I tried the Lexapro and, um, then for breakthrough panic attacks, I was given Xanax every five hours. So scary. Like, how do you raise a child on addicted to Lexapro and Xanax? Like, I mean, I wasn't addicted, but like dependency. Right. I'm, I'm like, that is so interesting. <clears throat> so I just radically quit. Uh, me and my husband flew to New Zealand. We started going a different direction. It took a lot though. It took unwiring generational. And it's, it's funny. I never, this is four years later. And I can just now say, I don't think I'll be dependent on the pacemaker, but I have never said that before this year, because yeah. as you go in that journey, you really realize the miraculous body. Um, yeah, it's crazy. So I know, I know you're discovering that. So anyway, I want to hear more. My second pregnancy. So we decided we wanted to um, try again, have another baby. And I, like we both said, if we can't find a doctor, an OB and a GI specialist that are willing to work together, we're not going to do it. Like, it's not worth that. Like we wanted, I wanted to have another child. We wanted to have another child, but it's like, it's like, it wasn't worth it because I almost died when I had my son. And, and I can't imagine like having that happen. And again, so we really wanted to be sure that we knew that we had somebody who was going to, you know, keep it under control for me if things spiraled out of control. So yeah. finally found an OB and a doctor that would work together. Um, I, I got pregnant right away. 11 weeks later, I started having symptoms. Now, mind you, I, I had finally gotten a, com a cocktail of medications. I, I don't even know how many it was at that point. And, and it wasn't, I, at that point, I wasn't even on just medication for the ulcerative colitis. I was also having issues that were stemming from that because my body was not functioning properly. I was having muscle sp or stomach spasms and this uh, like gut-wrenching pain that would have me hurled over the toilet. Like I didn't know if I was going to throw up, if I had to go to that. And, and how do you function as a mother at a job? I was working at the, like, and I worked all through this. Um, after I had my son, I ended up leaving long-term care and HR and I got a, a job closer to home in a law office, something I just needed less stress. Like I knew that the stress of my job wasn't helping anything. So I just left, I walked away from it. Um, and it was really hard for me because I had worked my way to that position. Like I earned that position. So to leave it, it was so hard. 
but I knew in my gut that I needed to do it. And now looking at the world the way it is, I know that God removed me from that position because I probably would be in jail right now for screaming about our freedoms and our rights and standing up for my residents and my staff members. So I know now that why God removed me from that situation. But at the time it was really hard and it was, it was stress, but I knew that stress was only going to be temporary and I was going to move on. So I left that. <clears throat> I was still working. So I, I'm pregnant with my daughter at this point. I'm working at a law office nearby. I'm like five minutes from home. Um, and at 11 weeks, it, the symptoms start again and kick in. And I immediately start to panic, but I call my OB and he's like, okay, we're going to get, we're going to get you taken care of. Everything's going to be fine. They put me on a steroid while I was 11 weeks pregnant with my daughter. I had no clue. Like I didn't know. And I didn't have time to sit down and research and make sure that everything was going to be fine because I was my, I knew my body was going into a trauma, like something yeah. that had caused me so much trauma in the past. And all I wanted to do was avoid it. it was, I was purely making choices out of fear, but yeah. I feel like that's what everyone does. And that's the position that this current healthcare model puts all of us in. They, they deliver us this news and then they put this in us in this situation where we have no time to make any choices. And, and we so like, it's amazing to me how human beings disregard the ability of the human body. Yes. Like it blows my mind. And I was there once, like I was one of those, those yeah. people that, that thought that, but like now knowing what I know about the human body and watching what I've watched in my own, just in my own family and not just me, like my husband, my husband was diagnosed with um, PTSD. He was removed from his job because of it. Like he had, had a huge, I mean, like I, there's so yeah. many things that stem off from this, my story, but um, like, and he, he's healed himself. He was like, you, he was not dependent. They kept just giving him med after med after med. And he's like, I can't, he would take one and he'd be like, I can't function on this medication. And yeah. he just took himself off of them. And, um, and we finally together figured out, you know, what he needed and how to get him better. But, um, well, the medical so community, it literally encourages us. Sorry, the Western, I, I hate it. I hate all of it. I hate them calling the rest of it alternative. I hate I calling it the best. Like, it's so the, the very Americanized medical community that we have, which is 100% capitalist, unlike anywhere else in the world, um, FYI, is yeah. like, is it doesn't empower the body. It like, it's convicted that the body needs outside intervention. And it's honestly, it's generational trauma and sin. And it's, it's constant. It, it's so far back to where like, I mean, they're removing minerals from drugs. They're removing key minerals from thing. I mean, there's, there, there is corruption from the very top. So, and people say, why would doctors want to do this? They don't, they're just the well-trained salespeople. Like yeah. doctors are literally given, like, I've got a friend who she argues with me all the time. Her husband is the CEO of a major medical center. No big deal. She's like, well, he gets the emails. Duh. He gets the emails, but he only gets one thing in the emails. Like, so yeah. He's like basically being gaslit. So that's why I share the message all the time. Your pediatrician's being gaslit. The CEOs are being gaslit. This is all coming from everybody. the top. Like, yeah. So it's really fascinating. And that's why some of them practice with such a variance. But I mean, I've straight up heard it. Like uh, I was diagnosed with PTOS during a pregnancy. I was like, cool, great. Mm -hmm. Probably a possibility runs in my family. But I was like, I'm just not a victim of that diagnosis. And I straight said to my doctor, what's the options? And uh, she said, and this is my OB and she's great. She believes in holistic medicine, but she's also contracted by a very big hospital system. And um, she said to me, I could tell 40% of my patients to drop sugar, but I can't. So like, there's a couple of options. And I said, well, okay, cool. So I just tried it, you know, like remove the toxins, remove the sugar, like, surprise PCOS doesn't have to exist. I mean, it's, and it's not that we won't struggle. It's like, people aren't like the pharma industry has us convicted of this weird facade that like the body has to be functioning perfectly at all times, or we're in danger. When the weird thing is the body is like, so freaking smart that when it is having a response, it's detoxing, it is doing what it needs to do. And I'm not, and, and yeah, it rarely needs 
intervention. It was like divinely downloaded to heal. Like (laughs) it's not pretty when it does it. Like it's not fun and it's not pretty, but it's the consequences to action. Things we've uh, subjected ourselves to, things we put into our body, things we've been exposed to. And yeah, sometimes those things are not our fault, but like the body is able to do it. It's just not pretty. Like it's not fun. You got to be down for a few days. Give yourself a few, like it, it blows my mind that people <clears throat> can't just say, okay, my body needs to rest. Like my body doing this right now is telling me sit down, stop and rest. I need rest to get out of me what is happening. And then I'll give you back full reign and you can run and go and be free. Like, yeah, yeah you need to like, your body needs to get in a state of like, it's in a constant state of uh, like go and recovery. Right. So it's yeah. like, it's really fascinating. And And that doesn't say that we don't need intervention from herbs and supplements and we don't need to support the body because we do. If we have poisoned the body or toxified the body, we absolutely need to reverse engineer that. But like, yeah, I mean, rest is like the most restorative function and how much do we, I literally run from rest. Like, even if I get a little sniffle, I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, I can't be down. This house is not going to run itself. I'm the same way, but I preach it all the time. But like I'm to my husband and my kids, I'm like, well, you're getting sick. You need to rest. But I'm like, no, I can't rest. (laughs) Like I literally last night was like, I was feeling a little sniffle. I'm like, that's cool. I mean, I'm fine. I was like, I don't even give that stuff my energy or attention, but I'm like, cool. And, and, and what I find most fascinating, and I honestly want to know if you did this because there's so much fear when you get a diagnosis, right? You like, you take that diagnosis on and you hang on to it and you're like, okay, this is it. Like, <laughs> this is what I got. This is a diagnosis. Thank you, Jesus. Right. Yeah. But the funny thing is like, Jesus is asking us to not identify with a diagnosis. And that's right. like the foundational to, I'm like, why are churches not teaching this? I do not get it. Like, and there are like some really great people. I mean, who've been pretty much demonized for talking about that and called weird versions of new age. But the thing is, is it's like, there's a serious reason why Jesus is like, "Uh uh-uh, put your eyes on me. Uh Uh-uh, that's not from me. And so one of the things and tactics that really helped me was literally like removing that diagnosis from my body. It was Mm -hmm. like, okay, that is that. I even tell my kids, my kids will be like, my head hurts. Or they'll be like, my headache. I'm like, that's not your headache. That is a headache. <laughs> right. Like, like yeah. we train in this house. Yeah. It's like the military. Like I'm yeah. like, uh-uh. and, and we're big on the verbiage. Cause I'm like, don't take it. It's not yours to take. Like I tell right. my kid, and I used to do that all the time. My anxiety, my exhaustion, my body, you know, and it was so much self-condemnation. And, and I'm just like, that was the one thing that my naturopath was basically like, that's the root cause. That's what he worked on first. He was like, we need to unpack your life trauma, heal from it. And then mm-hmm. your body will heal. And I'm like, it was wild. <laughs> it is. It's pretty crazy. I mean, I have a lot of trauma, uh, trauma for me started when, well, I mean, it starts for everybody, I'm sure when they're young, but, um, yeah, I experienced a lot of trauma at a young age and nothing like, like my family is amazing. My family life was amazing. Um, when I was like eight, when I was eight years old, my, my cousin was abducted and murdered. And like, I had, you know, that kind of stuff, like I just big trauma and stuff that I carried as a child that like, um, my parents didn't really think I was capable of understanding and comprehending. So they kind of just pretended like it didn't exist. They didn't want me, they kind of wanted to shelter me from it. Um, and so I, I dealt with a lot of heavy things at a young age, kind of on my own. Um, and looking back now, I see like, I see that I need it. Like I needed to unload all that. And like, it's just, it's amazing what happens when you start really dealing with your trauma and that, and it, and it all, everything branches from it. I mean, every little thing we pick up and every, it's just so it's, it's scary, honestly. And, and I try hard to, to be aware of it now, raising children and try to, you know what I mean? We try to learn from that, try to prevent that. Um, But yeah, I had a huge amount of trauma as a child and, and, and I just kind of held on to it. Like, like you said, you hold yeah. on to it and you, and it, and it becomes part of you and it identifies you and, yeah. and it's hard to let go of that because it's all, you know, and, yeah. and like when I truly started healing, when I finally said, okay, I'm doing this, my body is capable of this. I started 
dealing with all that trauma and speaking my voice and saying things that I'd never said before, or people hadn't heard before, or, and I started like shedding people in my life. I mean, I, in the past two years, I've lost all of my friends and, and I don't, I'm sad. Like I mourn it for a bit, but it's like, you can't, you can't because they were brought to you for a time and you need to let go. And, yeah. and my life has just gotten exponentially better because of that. And I truly believe that it has partly to do with why I have been able to heal and not need the intervention or, you know, opinion of the healthcare system, because they, they leave out so many key components. And, and I wanted to say, when you were talking about specialists earlier, specialists are great, but it's like, they have tunnel vision and the bodies don't work that way. No. Organs don't work individually. One organ can't work without the other. So specialists, like back in the day when I, when I trusted, you know, Western medicine, allopathy, whatever, with my life, I thought specialists were just like the cat's meow. Like I thought, oh, I need to get into this. Okay. So as soon as I had a, a gestational or I mean, um, a digestive issue, I'm like, I need to get into a GI specialist. And, and they like in my head, that's what I thought, but they recommended that anyways. Mm -hmm. But like looking at it now, I say specialists are like, I mean, they're great, but they are they because they only focus on that function and they see nothing else around and your and body does not work that way. That's absolutely but, right. And they don't collaborate and you get yeah, into it's, it's hospital it's, politics. I mean, it's, it's honestly, kind of like, are, is it ego? You have to wonder, is it their ego? Like I'm a specialist for this. I don't need to collaborate with somebody else. Like, and then you think, but my life is in your hands. Yes, you do. I don't care what you think of this other person or whether you want to talk to them or not. Yeah, I have this weird, I mean, I've always asked myself, I ask myself the same question. Like, I think it's all the things, right? People will be like, oh, you know, what's the one thing? I'm like, uh-uh, this is a multi-system <laughs> failure. <laughs> but like, you know, starting with infants and we're not even going to get into those big V programs. Oh but I think what happened is that we, we, what happens with, with evil? Evil always oversteps the mark. It does. It goes too far every freaking time and it's so and shiny what, and fancy and it's so fancy shiny and shiny and, and yeah yeah then it needs more 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 so i think what happened is what was designed for good just got bigger and bigger and bigger and lies got bigger and bigger and bigger and and so and you just sometimes don't know how to come back the whole thing needs to fall down to be honest yeah. like it's, but it's so propped by so many systems and it's like you said, right? When you step out and you go heal, you go another way. What happens? You lose all your friends. You, you disrupt the homeostasis of where you're at. Somebody asked me the other day, oh, well, why do you think doctors would, um, you know, if they are, it would, the question was if, if doctors knew the danger of the vaccine, you know, the COVID vaccine, uh, what do you think they would be giving that to people? And I said, yeah. And she said, why? And I said, <laughs> would you want to go home to your wife and say, Hey, I'm losing my $500,000 salary, babe, like sell your Louis. Like yeah. why? I mean, because what do you they mean, build why? a life that they need to sustain. Yes. And, and and I'm not you... saying that's it. It might be, Hey, you know what else it might be? My parents were never proud of me, but I went through med school. Now I'm the doctor. I'm, I'm their son that now that's my attention source. Look, it's all connected. Like people cannot run this divine quantum that we live in. So I, I talk a lot about that homeostasis because I've been through it. I disrupted it. I left abuse patterns in my own family, lost my entire family on one side because of it. That was so insane. And I'm like, but I said no more. I left the homeostasis and then it no longer worked. And so, but with that, I mean, you give up and you have to really trust that you're going to gain. Like it, you have to not put your eyes on what you're losing and put your eyes on what you're gaining because- yeah. You don't know what that's going to look like. And so, I mean, that's always when people have that question, which I'm sure some people are going to come across this podcast and say, well, how could this be true? Right? Like, how could this be the case? All kinds of bondage is there holding it together, Yeah. you know, um, and you're just Kristen that stepped into the door. You're one of, uh, I don't know, eight hours worth of patients that day on right. any given week. And, and, you know, I, it's a, it's a one sheeter and it's a prayer. You know what I mean? It's yeah. it is what it is. Yep. Um, so you had your second baby though. Did your pregnancy go great or. That, okay. So he, he put me on steroids and, um, I was able to finish out that pregnancy. Totally fine. I had no issues. Great. She was born, um, 
completely different delivery from my my son um and right after i had her um she had issues with reflux which yeah. <laughs> i didn't know at the time that needed a, just a chiropractic adjustment and probably a little help on my end with nursing but um so i had some issues with nursing and about four months in, i stopped nursing her and then my problems went out of control again so at this point i personally thought it was something hormonal because it was during pregnancy it was you know spiking and change so i thought okay i stopped breastfeeding my hormones changed and now i'm having issues so the doctor that i had had during her pregnancy that that worked with my lb he was out of answers also he had given me probably 10 more meds and then i had all while i was pregnant with her because i would be okay for a little while and then i'd have some symptoms and then i'd be a, but it was nothing that wasn't manageable so like compared to my first pregnancy it was like a breeze right because i'm yeah. comparing it to a nightmare and it's just an okay dream but i thought it was like you know fantasy you know so um at this point i think i had taken i'd been on like 20 different meds so he he had put me through after I had her, you put me through another colonoscopy and then had no answers and wanted to put me one through one again, like, like four months later. And, and he, he had me do another scope too. I can't even remember, but I was just like scoped out at that point. I'm like, how many scopes do you need to put in a person's body? I can't take this anymore. Like, I don't know if you've ever had a colonoscopy, but the prep for them is un unreal. I did seven. I ha I've had seven total over my, over the 10 years that I, I had this illness, this illness. Um, so he wanted to put me through another one and I'm like, I can't do this anymore. That I'm going to get fascinating. it. That is fascinating. <laughs> Same procedure seven times instead yep. of just saying, Hey, Kristen, I'm honestly out of options. Why don't you see somebody else? Well, this was seven times over several doctors, you know, it was like yeah, over. Yeah. Years. Yeah, but still they had all of the records. So like, like, wouldn't you think at some point they'd say to me, okay, we need to figure out something else because this isn't working. Well, what I feel like would be more productive and where I really want people to understand the insanity here in this podcast is because what would be more productive is either saying, I can't help you. And then at that point, you've got a concrete answer and you're like, great. I personally am going to go look somewhere else, right? Because mm -hmm. if you keep getting strung along, strung along, strung along, and I, whether it's intentional or not, I don't care. If you keep getting strung along, you're gonna keep going, right? Like yeah. you're gonna keep having hope. Yeah. Um, but we've your body so, you have to live every day. <laughs> yeah, we've so freaking lost integrated medicine, which is something that I preach about all the time. Like we've demonized everything else in favor of this little bubble that has no solutions. Um, and it's just, it's just um it's honestly just criminal, really. I just don't even have another word. It's like they, that, you know, a doctor somewhere. And, and I do think there are good ones and that doctor and, and God is totally working in that system. Cause that's kind of what happened to me. There was little things that would happen in the ER. Some nurse would mention something to me or someone great would come in. So like where there's darkness, I got in a real habit of looking for the light. Right. I mean, <laughs> light trumps darkness on your Instagram. That's so funny, but like, <laughs> but it's true. It's always there. There's duality to everything, but yep you have to not give away your personal power. Like you can't give your power and just ride the ride, right? It's like jumping on a roller coaster and somebody's like, I don't know when it's gonna stop. And you would be like, that's not fun. But they hand you unlimited tickets when you walk in the door, kind of. I mean, that they set you up for it. You know what I mean? Like they're they're like, come on, get on, get on. Like, it's gonna be great. We're gonna help you. And like, it's so, but, and it's so hard to break from that habit. Like it's so hard to break away from that. Yep. And then when you're healing from trauma, and this is the most important part, because the next phase of it is getting really angry, right? Yeah. Like, I, I want to know if you went through this, but for oh, me, yeah. I mean, for me, you guys, I, we're talking 12 EKGs. And on the 12th one, someone in the ER that night was on call, found a variant. Okay, great. Lovely. $14,000 later, right? My husband and I join, drain our savings and, you know, or basically drain our farm for, for my health. Um, that's a lot. That's like, that's divorce material. I mean, I tell that story on my podcast too, that, that was a blow, um, yep. over a couple years and that set up a rage <laughs> that neither he or I were prepared to deal with that came out later. Uh -huh. So I always want to encourage like, like, oh gosh, it's just so critical that as you're moving through the process, 
to find like this instant way to just like have some gratitude and move on or be, be or be so proud of yourself that you finally found the answer and that you went on that journey because and that doesn't give you license to go on it again that's not agreeing with insanity that's just like hey you know what you did the best you could with what you've got and you're here now let's start new and i just love it because like jesus gives us literally new mercies every morning for a reason we need them um and that that was so critical for me because i dealt with a lot of anger too in the yeah. process well for me i had a lot like i was really angry i, I was um and actually do you mind if i wait to talk about that because it was kind of no. okay so <clears throat> i found this doctor I, I so the doctor wanted to put me through another scope and um i was like i'm done i can't do this so my husband worked for the state of new york um we had great health insurance at the time and there, we live about two hours away from Albany, New York, which is um, the capital of New York. And it, and it has, they have great healthcare system down there. Well, what I thought was great, right? At the time, at, in my mindset that I was in at that time, I thought it was an amazing healthcare system. So um, I found a specialist there who I did some research on and I got an appointment um, and it took me two months to get in. And the doctor that I was seeing previously wouldn't prescribe me any more meds. And I, at the time I was on, like, I think I was on 45 milligrams of prednisone. And so I went for two months straight with no meds, completely out of control. If I had to leave my house, I couldn't eat or drink because I didn't know if I was going to be able to make it to the bathroom because, and I knew every bathroom from here to, I don't, I could tell you every bathroom in every gas station and every, you know, in, within a 25 mile radius, right? So my husband worked crazy, ridiculous hours. He, he would work like four doubles in a row to have, you know, four days off. Um, I was a mess, like for two months waiting out to get to this new doctor. I was an absolute mess. Emotionally, physically, everything. I was just done. My body was like, I can't take this. And I was raising two kids. Essentially, I mean, four days a week, I was by myself. Thankfully, my mom and dad live right close by and they've always been, you know, a great help. But I was doing the majority of the work. My husband would leave at six o'clock in the morning before the kids got up and he wouldn't come home until 1130 at night. Um, at that point, I was working. So the kids were going to daycare or to at least my mom's uh, during the day. So um, I went for two months like that and I, I got to this specialist and the thing that blew my mind was, and, and like, she was like a savior to me after this. And I think this is, and I feel like that happens a lot. You, you find a doctor that has some sort of answer and you just like cling to them. And they're like, you're, you know what I mean? They're your, they, they have, they, they hold like this idle position. So I walked into her office and she had read my chart. She knew my entire story without me having to tell her. I didn't That's sit great. down and she didn't say to me, okay, tell me what's going on. Every other doctor I had been to before that had said that to me. And when I walked, I literally cried. My husband was in the room with me. He could, he could attest to it, but I cried because I was like, oh my gosh, she actually took the time to read my chart. And how sad is that? Like, yeah. how sad is it that we're putting our hands or our bodies in the hands of people and we're just praying that they read their, that they actually read our chart. Yeah. Like it's sad. So, um, I get to this doctor, she sees everything. She doesn't want to put me through a scope. She tells me she's going to start the process to set me up for um, a biologic med, an IV med, because we've exhausted all options. Like this is the, but first she tells me, I just want to be very clear with you. The only way that we can heal ulcerative colitis is full, complete removal of your colon. So the only thing that we can do, well, you'll never be cured of it we can just manage your symptoms. That's the only thing we can do unless we do a full colon removal. Okay. But I was so desperate. I was literally like, at that point I was like failure to thrive. Basically my joints were shutting down because my body wasn't, wasn't functioning. I could barely get out of bed in the morning because my joints wouldn't move. Um, I would just lay on the bathroom floor and cry sometimes. Like it was, I was just done. I just had it. So I was like, okay, we're going to get these meds. So I go through the process and it's a whole, I don't know um, if you, if you are familiar with any of the meds for UC, um, I started with Remicade. Um, it's like a, an amp up process. So you have to go and then two weeks later you have to go. And then every eight weeks I had to take a, an IV dose. I had to go for two hours. So then four months in my body starts building up antibodies against the drug and it stops working. So um, they say, okay, well we have a, a new drug. Now, 
I would have thought this would have been a red flag, but for me, I was living on drugs and it was the only way that I was surviving and being able, like, I was actually at this point able to take care of my kids and actually go out and do things and be a mom. Like I could go on a day trip and, and not have to be scared to death that I needed to bring two extra pairs of clothes. And so, and, and have my two children by myself trying to find a bathroom. And so I was like, I thought I was thriving. So when the meds stopped working, I immediately was like, okay, whatever the next step is, just tell me. So they said, okay, Antibio, right? So that's the next med. We get it all set up. I go through it. Um, I think I was on it for two full years. I was two years in and it was going great. And then I started having issues all of a sudden out of nowhere, just hit me like a freight train. So I go to my, my, so at this point I'm like, okay, this is, I knew that Antibio at that point was the only med left. That was the, I was, that was at the end of my list of meds I could try. And my specialist had told me that. So I had mentally prepared myself. This took me weeks to do. Uh, I mentally prepared myself to go into my GI specialist and, and say, I want my colon removed. Yeah. I want my colon removed and I want a full, I want an ileostomy. I, I just want to be done. I want to live my life. I want to not have to worry about crapping my pants when I'm out on the playground with my kids. I just want to be a mom and live my life and, and be a wife and all of that. So I get down there and they say to me, okay, so we can start the process for approval of that, but we need to figure out what we're going to do in the meantime. So we think that we should ramp up the Antivio treatments. So instead of having them once every other month, you will have them once a month. So I'm like, okay, I didn't really think too much of it. I just assumed they knew what they were doing, but then it kind of made me wonder like, is this really normal? Because I didn't know anyone else that I knew several people at this point that had taken that sort of med, but I didn't know anyone else that was taking it at that frequency. So I got home and I did a little research and, and also I had to go through a colonoscopy before they would let me have the surgery. Why? I don't know. They, they just told me that was part of the, the protocol for them to approve it. Right. Medical malpractice. Yeah. Because of medical right. malpractice, because yeah. if you go through and they, and you don't ever know what they say. They can write whatever they want. Mm -hmm. You go through a colonoscopy. I mean, that has imaging, but this is the same way people get diagnosed with not real cancer. You basically, right. they have to have it in charts and a lot of people don't ask. Yeah. Freaking so crazy. I went through the colonoscopy, but at this point they set up the colonoscopy. So it was after this additional boost, boosted dose of Antibio. So after I had that, that extra dose, I had no symptoms anymore. So they deny, they ended up denying my surgery because I, my colon looked fine. My colon wasn't inflamed, but I was having no issues because they increased my meds. So, but when I got home, I started researching the dosage of Antibio and I found that in the United States, it's not, it's not legal. That's not a, that, or in the United States, it is the only United States is the only country where it is legal to give that dose. Every other country in the world that's considered an unsafe dose. So I'm like, what makes us different? Why is it safe here? That was like, that was my first red flag where I was like, okay, something's not right. Like they're giving me a dose of a medication that's safe in the United States, but it's not safe anywhere else in the world. Yep. And I'm like, and so I talked to my husband about it. I told him about it. And then after I found that out and, I, and, and we're like, okay, well, we're going to get through, we're going to do this scope. You're going to have the surgery and we're just going to be done with meds altogether. Cause at this point I was just like, I can't take any more meds. I'm like 40 pounds, 50 pounds overweight. I don't eat like garbage. I move. Like I just am, I feel unhealthy. I have all of these other health problems. I'm done with medication. So we thought, okay, Antibio is just going to be for a short time, the bump up dose. And then we're going to, you're going to have the surgery. It's going to be fine. Then they denied the surgery. So then I'm like, okay, I can't, I have to figure out something else. Like I'm done with this. I'm cause they said to me, well, we do have two new meds that just came out about a month ago that you, that you can try. And I'm like a month ago, I, I thought to myself, okay, so they've only been out a month. How long, how do you know that they even work? Like, so at that point, that was my, that was my, I was done. I was totally done because the whole time this doctor had told me the only way that we can cure UC is to completely remove your colon. So then she's like, oh, okay, you want to do that? Well, sorry, you can't. Like, like, I just felt like she, and then I'm like, okay, I'm a cash cow. 
I'm a cash cow for them. I'm a guaranteed, I mean, my treatments were $10,000 a month, $10,000 a month, $120,000 a year to to save a space for me to come sit for one hour and hook up an IV. Yeah. Right. So I finally, that was my aha moment. That whole scenario where I had mentally prepared myself to completely remove an organ from my body and disfigure my body to make my life better and then have them take that away from me. Like, and, and at the time I was, and I was angry. Like you said, I was so angry looking back now. I realized it was God intervening and saying, okay, I'm not, you can't do this. You can't remove an organ from your body. I'm going to fix you later. I just need you to wake up and see it. Like, um, yeah. So that was my aha moment. Like that was the moment I realized I'm a cash cow. And so is every other person sitting in this room next to me in this chair hooked up to an IV pole. Like, yeah, it was I've just mind blowing. I have literally got five people in my immediate circle on that same journey right now in really? that same medication journey. And it's, so scary. it's literally, yeah, I won't say what I was going to say. Cause I don't know this on good authority, but it is, um, it's, and, and you know how they've been doing it long, like yeah. long, like two, three, five, ten 10 years. Like, like I'm not, they're not, I don't know if they're on bump up doses or whatever. I was a total of five. I was a total of five on IV meds five years. And then it was only a couple of months that I was on the way high dose. And I, then I was like done. Yeah. And one of my, even including one of my best friends, she just was like, okay, I need to know another way. And I was like, hallelujah. Like there's a bunch (laughs) out there, you know, she didn't get as far as you got, but that part about being a mom and just trying to figure out how to do that again. Like we put our eye on the prize, right? Like we, we will sacrifice ourselves <laughs> unknowingly yep. for the next generation. Um, when and you know, and not really look at our unworthiness, unwillingness, you know, whatever it is, and yeah. and put our eyes on everything else. And it is so challenging because all of that is so good. That's such a good thing to do, right? You yeah. do that for your children, you do it yeah. for your family, but it is so easily taken advantage of. Yeah, which is the saddest part about it. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, that was my aha moment. Um, and then, so the crazy, the way my healing began was so crazy and it was so like, it was literally God, there's no other way to say that it wasn't like a a friend from high school who I hadn't talked to in forever. She wasn't even in my grade. She's now a nurse. She reached out to me randomly. She, we were talking, she handed me the phone number of the chiropractor that I now see who has changed my family's life. Um, and then, so I, at that point I was still on the Antivio med because it was my aha moment, but I was, I was like, I'm going to stay on. And I don't know why I did this, but it, now I see that it all was part of the plan. So I don't question it, but I was like, I'm going to stay on the med until I get a game plan, I guess, because I wanted to have a clear enough head that, because I, I couldn't ever think clearly when I was in a flare, I like, you can't function, you can't even physically function. So I was just like, I need a clear head long enough to figure out my game plan because I don't have one right now, but the game plan fell into place on its own. So, um, my, that friend of mine, um, she handed me my chiropractor's number. I immediately called and got in. Um, and then my husband, so my husband retired early from law enforcement because of PTSD diagnosis. Um, and we were going through that whole process. The state of New York is the most savage state. I mean, next to California, I'm, it's like, it's twin, I think, but um, they ended up taking our health insurance away from us uh, for a short period of time because they tried to say there was issues with, I don't know, it was departments not communicating essentially. Um, but so I didn't have any health insurance. So I was forced to drop Antivio. So like God made that decision for me. Like we didn't have $10,000 sitting in our bank account that we could just fork over to, to get me another treatment. So I was actually at my, we got the letter. So like we got a notification saying that they were going to be taking it away from us in this, this time. So I was talking to my chiropractor about it. And I was, I just said to him, like, I'm going off, off this med. I said, I don't know if it's the right choice. I'm like, and he just looked at me and he's like, you just have to have faith over fear. He's like, you just have to know. He's like, I, and it was like, it floored me. Cause I was like, like, I felt that way, but to hear somebody say it to me and it just kind of confirmed it to me that it was going to be okay. Like, he's just like, you just have to have more faith than you do fear. That's all you need. Mm-hmm. And so 
I, I saw him twice a week for quite some time. Um, and then that same friend who gave me his uh, information also opened me up to juicing. Um, and I've been juicing ever since every day, uh, first thing in the morning on an empty stomach. Um, um, and I'm sorry. Oh, I juice too. enzyme replenishment. Like it is, it's a well-known, well-covered-up cancer protocol, cellular restoration protocol. Like, um, it is unbelievable. I green juice every day. So. Thank you. <laughs> yep, me and my husband. Well, I started out myself first, and then my husband started too. I got him into it, and now he makes the juice for us in the morning. But um, so yeah, I, like literally, I decided I wanted to heal, and I decided I was done, and then kind of God just opened up all the other doors. Wow. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Honestly, I'm so honored and humbled to be able to bring these, these stories to women every single day. I remember being that mom and sitting there and being diagnosed with depression and anxiety and thinking that that was my only option, that allopathic medicine was the only way. And I invite you to browse through the episodes and learn more about why that is a complete lie from the enemy and why Jesus has more for you. Also wanted to invite you to get connected in a couple other ways. Chronically Healed, the podcast has an insider community. Yes, during the week, between episodes, you can feel encouraged. You can receive text messages from me personally. And I wanted to invite you to opt in. You simply text HEAL to 314-339-8465. And then I get the joy of showing up in your inbox and bringing you daily recipes, tactical advice, encouragement, prayer, something that I absolutely love to do. I also wanted to invite you to connect on Instagram. My handle is at Chelsea H. Gall, and there you can find hilarious reels about healthcare corruption. You can find all kinds of resources, interesting tips for motherhood and for personal sustainable family health and holistic living. One more thing, we have a brand new 12-week course available. It is called Living Healed, and that course is available. You can find information about it at the link in my bio or at my website. And that's just a couple of ways that we can stay connected throughout the week. Again, go into this week with the mindset that healing is what you were born with. Healing is who you are, not what the world tells you. Enjoy.